Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. Acts 27, verse 9. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. It's a big thing to say. And what he's talking about, Paul is getting ready to go and face, uh, and go to Rome and face Caesar. Paul is, uh, you know, he's a witness. He's been saved, you know, by the grace of God on the Damascus Road. Changed him from Saul, turned him into Paul. Big, big change, big life change, right? He was persecuting Christians, and now he became um, the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament uh, as far as as many, how many books that he wrote. Um, big change in his life. He had the advantage of being a Roman citizen, which means you couldn't, you know, not just anybody could kill him, lay hands on him. He kind of had a, a little bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card or at least a card that said, you can't judge me, only Caesar can. Citizenship was an important thing. So because of this special treatment, he's actually going to Rome to answer for his supposed crimes, and they are going by way of sea. So he's got to start out... You know, and then go through the Adriatic Sea, stop off several different ports because nobody takes a ship with just one guy on it. You're going to try and make some money on the side, you know, get some, you know, some di- diversify your asset portfolio. So they're taking all this, you know, they're taking on cargo and they're, that's the whole point. They're going to Crete and then eventually they're going to wind up in Rome, deliver Paul um, to Caesar, who he's been called of God to stand before, you know, the leader of the known, whole known world. And that's the plan. So they're getting ready to do this. But Paul is being well-treated by a centurion, you know, this guy whose name is Julius. He's a Roman soldier. He's kind of Paul's jailer and escort going to Rome. But the seasons are not right for, for sailing. And Paul understands and perceives this, you know, in, in the spiritual more so than just in the natural. And he says, hey, you better watch out. If we get on this boat, if we start to sail, there's going to be much loss of, of cargo. It's going to end in disaster. That's what he is saying. So kind of set up the context of what's going on here. Amen? Context is important. He said, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And that's a problem. Some, I think that we, uh, we can be like that sometimes. Um, we can be more persuaded um, by the guy who's got the wheel than the one who controls the winds and the waves. How many times have we ever, you know, kind of talked ourselves into something or talked ourselves out of something because it seemed, but we didn't pray about it. You know, we didn't seek God about it. We thought, you know, well, I'm, I'm accepting this good advice. It looks good. It sounds good. It sounds profitable. I'm going to do this with my life. I'm going to take this offer. I'm going to take this new job. Or I'm going to do this. Uh, but it, it, it sounded right. It sounded good. You know, we were being sold something, and we trusted the person who seemed to know about the situation, but we forgot to check in with God. We forgot to seek his counsel and his guidance. That's what these men do. They, they, they refuse the advice of Paul and instead listens to the helmsman. It's a big deal because Jesus is the one who controls the waves. You may have your hand on the steering wheel. Jesus controls the waves and the winds. So in the end, who are you going to trust? Amen. Thank you, Chucky. It's good to see you today. Amen. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter, and the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest, and winter there. 
And when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous wind, headwind arose called Eurachlodon. Somebody say Eurachlodon. Not bad. Somebody say tempestuous. Amen. Getting, getting our, our big words in today. Uh, storms have names. You ever notice that? Is that weird to you? I never really stopped to ask why, but like you know, these horrible, terrible things. I remember I was getting married, um, and we got married in 2016. Did we get in the end of 2015? Yeah, you know. Sorry, I'm going to get try. I'll pay for that one later. Um, but I remember shortly after, um, there was a hurricane that happened. Uh, aptly named, my, my mother-in-law's name is Irma. And there was a hurricane named Irma shortly after, you know, we got married. And I remember making all kinds of little jokes about that, you know, like I do, getting myself in trouble as much as possible. Hurricane Irma. And she is that. She's more creative than destructive, of course. She's such a blessing. She's an incredibly hard worker. She's organized. She's, she's an amazing woman. But whenever she gets in the kitchen or gets in the whatever it is, whatever she gets into, it is Hurricane Irma. She is working. She is organizing. She is giving orders here and there. We are doing the thing, whatever it is. We're, and we're doing all of it. We're, you know, we, yes. My mother-in-law is like everybody else, only more so. Amen. Isn't that, isn't that a good one? We get, it's very sneaky. She is. She's, I mean, she is uh, she's such a hard worker. She's, so, you know, she's brilliant. She's incredible. I love my mother-in-law. Hurricane Irma, though. Her, you know, what, what other storms in recent memory do you remember? Ah, Hurricane Trina. Yeah, still. Still works. Hurricane, there, there's a lot of different hurricanes, and they tend to give them names. Um, whether, you know, and it's not, not necessarily a good thing. So there'll be Hurricane Andrew was, you know, not too long. Hur- Hurricane Camilla, um, that was one of them. You guys don't, you, you don't keep up with the news. There, there's a lot of hurricanes. They tend to have storms. And this one was called Eurachlodon. It's important for you to understand that uh, these things, they do have names. They have names. Your storm, and I think identifying it is an important part of walking with God and being successful in your, in your storms. You need to understand what it is that you're facing because if you, if you don't understand who the real bad guy in the relationship trouble that you're having is, the real enemy, um, then you're not going to be able to combat it well. If you don't understand what the real issues are in your life, the, you know, the spiritual pushback that you're receiving, if, you don't, if you're not fighting the right fight, then you, you, by, by default you can't win it. Amen? So the ship was caught and could not head into the wind. We let her drift, and running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used helps. Now, it depends on which translation you're reading here. Like this word, you know, translated like the idea. I'm going to use three different words here. Uh, In KJV, it says they used helps for the ship. Uh, NKJV says cables. Um, another translation, and probably the one that, um, for, for actually what it is that, that I think uh, we'll use today, is braces. They used braces. So uh, basically, they, they strung these cables around the ship to kind of, you know, to brace it, to keep it together, to keep, you know, because they're knowing that they're going into a storm. They absolutely had to, uh, they, they had to make preparation 
for the storm that they now knew Paul was right about and that was coming their way that they were heading into. So they braced the ship. Um, you know, that, that's one of the only two things that I know about sailing. I wish Brandon was here. Uh, Brandon, Brother Brandon, he is, he's in the Navy. He knows a lot more. and He actually takes sailboats. You know, he's got his own that he takes out. And so I, I, I would have used him for a better reference because I know two things that I've just basically heard from cartoons you know, about ships, you know, which is batten down the hatches, whatever that means, and then to swab the poop deck. Whatever that means. That, I think that's, you know, the top. You know, I, I, wouldn't, I don't know. I don't know. That, has anyone been in, the, uh, been in the nursery? Okay, I don't know why I'm saying this from the pulpit, but I have to. Um, right, right there at the changing station. You know, because it's all decorated in nautical stuff. That's, that's what they call the changing station. <laughs> so, yep, that, that is. So, they are preparing this ship to go into terrible, tumultuous winds and waves, and to possibly, uh, you know, be sunk. They are doing everything that they can. When they had taken on board, they used, and we'll say braces, cables, KJV says helps. Well, it's helping it, you know, okay, that's, that's sure. They are, it is a strategic thing that you do in times of, of difficulty, in times whenever you're worried about the structural integrity of the vessel that you are going to the storm with. It's important to undergird the ship and fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. My goodness, I can't believe I got through all those S's. Amen. Won't he do it? They got through it. They struck sail and were so driven. And because of the exceedingly tempest tossed, they were exceedingly tempest tossed. The next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, it's important. Men, you should have listened to me. You ever heard that in your life? Man, you should have listened to me. Girl, you should have listened to me. And not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you and all those who sail with you. Paul is operating out of faith and a certainty that I want, to, I want to preach about, I want to discuss here for just a little bit. Let's bow our heads, though, first. Heavenly Father, help me to deliver this message and the, the words that you've, uh, that you've given me, the, the words of life, the words of truth. They're not true because I declare them correctly. They are true because of who you are, because they are your words. Now, help us to understand and to see ourselves through the mirror, through the lens of your word, God. Encourage your heart. Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. I want to talk a little bit about uh, about this storm, about this this situation that Paul finds himself in, and this is something that's been preached about, you know, a whole lot. I've preached about it before. I have just a few things that I want to encourage you. I don't know if you are in the middle of a storm here today. 
I don't know if, if, uh, if, if you know, whether it's finances or whether it is something relational or something uh, spiritual that has come your way that you found yourself right in the middle of a very difficult season, a difficult time, and, and you have lost your own control over the situation. That's how you know you're in a storm. It's no, your heading is the least of your worries. Some of you, uh, you're not even worried about trying to go the right direction or try to accomplish something. You're just trying to survive. You ever been there? You're like, yeah, I've given up trying to get from one place to the other. I had dreams, I had goals, I had a purpose and a direction, and right now I'm not worried about that. I'm just hoping that, I, that this thing does not destroy me entirely. I have basically cast away all of all, I've let go of the rudder, and now I'm just holding on for dear life. There are different stages of a storm. Some of you might be right there in the middle of what I'm talking about. Say, I, just, I don't know how I'm going to make it, much less make it to where I'm supposed to be. I just hope I don't sink. Maybe you're, you're saying, I am in the middle of the storm. I'm trying to get through it. it. It's here. It's affecting me. I'm still trying to get where I'm going, but, but, but it's been difficult. Maybe you see, maybe you've come through a storm recently, and you're looking back. Maybe you don't even know it yet, but you're headed through into a storm. Because as long as you're living, things are going to come your way. Things are going to come your way. Difficulties and challenges are going to arise. You know, this, you know, why? Because this is not our home. This is not where we truly belong. Because of the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ, um, the, the, the mission right now is for us to make it to glory where we don't have to worry about the storms. But everything that the enemy can do uh, is being done against the child of God to destroy you, to, uh, to sink your ship, to get you off course, to get you, uh, to, you know, to throw things over that shouldn't be thrown over. He is combating and fighting your purpose and your ultimate purpose is to make heaven your home and bring as many people with you and declare the works and the glory of God along the way. Amen? We need to understand that very clearly. And so as long as you're alive and as long as you're continuing, especially working for God, oh, good night. You, know, you, you can do anything for God. Expect continued things to arise to challenge you, but expect that God is faithful and will bring you through. Amen? Paul says, I told you so. He said, I told you so. Nobody likes this. Nobody likes an I told you so, right? You know, unless you're being one. And then, then it feels so good. It feels so good to say, you know, to, I, I told you this was going to happen. I told you if you dated that guy, it was going to happen. I told you this. I told you that. I told you if, you if you'd hung that thing that way, then it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be cockeyed now. I told you. I told you you ought not do that. Everybody, it, it, is, it, it feels good to the flesh, you know, to be vindicated uh, you know, about different things. And so, and it takes a big person to not live like that. Amen? Experience, though, isn't necessarily the best teacher. Properly evaluated experience can be the best teacher, though. And why do I say that? Experience, so you ever heard that? Experience is the best teacher. No, it's not. Not if you don't learn anything. You know? You, know? you just get really good at doing something dumb. You know? And there are people who specialize in this. Yeah, it's, it's true. Like that experience is not necessarily, uh, you know, the, the, the best teacher. You know, people will go right back, and the, and the Bible talks about it and, and, and uses like very disgusting terms. Terms that I am, you know, you know having, having dogs like intimately familiar with. A dog back to its vomit. Like they return to their sin, they return to the mistakes, they return to the bad mindsets and the bad cycles of living and decision making like a dog to its vomit. And I have seen it, and it is nasty. 
I've seen worse, too. Dogs are like that, but people. And so that's what Paul is doing. Paul is not just massaging his own, his own ego right here and saying, I told you guys that we were all going to die. Why don't you listen to me? He, he's saying, you need to know what was true. And sometimes, and don't do it with a prideful spirit, but there are times in your life when, when, when the, the thing that your, your friend or your family member needs to hear is not, oh, yeah, you did that really terrible thing and it didn't work. Well, who knew? That's not what they need. Yeah. Oh, wow, I can't believe, I can't believe the, the asinine decision didn't work out right. You know, huh, don't be like that. Now, you don't have to be prideful and you don't have to be, but, but sometimes people need to hear the truth in love and say, you know what, this is what the Bible says. And I could tell you that, that you were not pursuing um, this thing, this decision, you know, this direction in your life with a biblical mindset. You were not looking at, at the character of God. You were not praying it through. You were not doing that. And, and yeah, that is why it happened. Now, I feel bad for you, and I want you to make good decisions. I care about you. I love you. But I'm not going to sit here and act like it was just a coin toss. Whenever we do things that are unbiblical and we make decisions that fly in the character in the face of God, do, do dumb things that, 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 that the Word of God would incline us to know better than, the lamp that, that is to our feet. Whenever we walk that way, um, there, there is a level. It's my job. A lot of my job is to hold myself and all of us to spiritual account. And say, whenever we step outside of the bounds of Scripture, the, you know, the, the, the direction of biblical living, yeah, you get hurt. Not because God doesn't love you. That's why God told you how to do it to save yourself in the first place. God loves you. He's for you. He's trying to ward off all of the hurt and the pain um, you know, that come living in a, in a disordered lifestyle. God loves you. He don't want that. And so Paul, the first thing that Paul says, you know, and you know why he said it? Not to be the smartest guy in the room. Get that? Let's get that clear. Paul does not say what he says so that he can be the smartest guy in the room. He says it because he knew something from God that would have helped them and blessed them. And they did not heed what he said. And it cost them great loss and hurt and pain and heartache and danger and stress. And Paul knew that there was going to come another time when he also had something to declare. And he had to hold him to account and say, I want you to remember what happened here because there's coming another time when you have another decision to make. You've got another thing that you're going to have to work through. And then they listened to Paul, but he holds him to account. Experience is not always the best teacher, but properly evaluate experience. How, how many of you, after walking through a trial, you can honestly say, honestly say, if I had just trusted God, I would have been blessed. Because he, he ended up being who he said he was, and, and the storm didn't. The temptation, whatever it was, God is always, at the end of the day, he's always faithful. And every, every hard lesson that I've had to learn, when I look back, I don't see God at fault. I see myself. I say, if I could, you know, if I could have just wrapped my heart and my head around that and just trusted God in that situation, I would have been blessed. And I would not have had the difficulty that I did have. You cannot control the storm. It comes either way. But you can impact a lot of your interaction with the storm. There are some things that happened to us that wouldn't have happened if we'd been where we needed to be with God. And I don't say that to beat people over the head and say, yeah, look where you are. If you only... No, I'm, I'm saying there'll be another storm. There'll be another opportunity. There'll be another chance. And I want you to succeed in that. I don't want you to continue uh, you know, to, to do things that are going to hurt you. And neither does God. Now, 
they bra- the Word of God says that they braced the ships and they used helps. What do you think of whenever, whenever I say uh, brace, braced, braces? Huh? Support? I think of uh, teeth, really. I think of braces, right? Is that, is, anyone else, that's actually what you thought when I said brace? Okay, okay, all right. I, I, I always thought about braces. You know, I thought the first thing that popped in my head was brace face, which I never had braces. Um, everybody else did in my family. Like, cause my, my, my teeth were always like good enough to where somebody else's um, teeth were, were, were worse off than mine. So like all, even though I was the oldest, all the other girls, like, you know, if you'd seen Emily's, she got a beautiful smile. Oh, if you'd seen that back in the day. There's a reason why every school, where's she at? Is she here? It wouldn't change anything. I'd say it anyway. <laughs> wouldn't change a thing, sis. There's a reason why Emily's school pictures up until she got braces are like this. <laughs> I don't care. She's be- you know she's got a beautiful smile, so I can torture her. Now, if they were still like they were, then I would, just, I would, not, be, uh, I would not be saying it. Uh, Sarah's were worse than, than Emily's. Ish. They all had braces except for me. They all, they all had braces. And, and, my, and it's not because I had, like, you know, perfect teeth, but it's just everybody's were, like, worse than mine. So I just kept getting in the back of the line. I got kept getting cued to the back. And then Jess came up, and then they were like, oh, we've got to fix that. <laughs> and then I got cued back, and they're like, Joe, it's rough. But, I mean, come on. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And so I never did end up getting That's kind of what I thought about in braces whenever it, says, it said they braced the ship. Um, but I really, I have something to say to you. I do have something to say to you um, here today. Whenever, the very first time whenever I, I, I heard this and I started to read that they were bracing the ship, they're using helps, they're using cables, they're bracing the ship, the first thing I thought about was the one thing whenever they're, the ship is about to go to ground or about to run into another ship, what do they always say? Brace for impact. Now that I said that, you all have heard this, right? You've heard that a thousand times. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna. Brace for impact. And so for me, I, I had this mindset whenever it says, you know, they braced the ship. And it, 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 I, it was like they were so fearful and, and concerned and worried because brace in my mind was cringe and fear and just duck your head and hope for the best. That's what I thought when they said brace for impact. You know, if you, your ship's getting ready to run aground, you're like, everybody brace yourselves, grab something. Ah! Oh God, here it comes. And then you hit something and then, it, it, and then it's, it's terrible. That's kind of what I was thinking. Brace. And then I realized that that's not what they were doing. They weren't cringing and huddling in fear. They were preparing themselves. They were preparing the structural integrity of their ship. And let me tell you, you may be looking headlong into a storm right now, but we need to shake ourselves and understand that we serve an all-powerful God who has put things in our way, in our path, in our ability that we can make a difference. We, we can get through this. God does not want you cringing and huddling in fear of the things that are in the world because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 
And so whenever Christians, oh, who do we glorify whenever everything that is coming against us, we're just like, oh, we're just, a, you know, we're, we're being victimized by the things of the world. And yes, things are hard. And we walk through difficult t- things that knock us flat on our back. But whenever it's time and we get a word from God, we need to pick ourselves up, prepare ourselves, not cringe at the, at the power of the enemy, but stand strong in the power of his might. It's time for us to do a little more than just, just huddle in the corner. I don't care where you're at today. I know that there's nothing that you're in the middle of that God is not going to bring you out on the other side of because he is faithful. He is strong. And embracing needs to mean something different. It's time to get ourselves together. It's time to stand on the truth of his word and say, we are going through this. I'm not just going to hide in the corner and, and just let life do what it wants to do to me. I'm going to stand strong in the power of his might. A brace is a device fitted to something, a particular or a weak or injured part of the body to give support. To brace yourself is to be proactive. To be proactive. And honestly, I just, I, I got stuck on that word. I got stuck on that concept of preparing ourselves, of supporting, because we have some, we have some control. You don't get to choose when the storm comes. You don't get to choose when the storm ends, but you do get to decide how you ride it out. Whether you're going to cringe in fear or if you're going to come out victorious on the other side and say, God did it. God was faithful and not just be a battered mess through every single storm because God wants you to be victorious. He wants you to walk believing and in faith, knowing that he can. Honestly, I think Brace would have been a lot different to me five years ago before, you know, I had a little, a little, uh, you know, farmette with a lot of, you know, work that needed done on it. I've learned how to brace things. I've learned how to, how to go in and put a, and put a two by six in somewhere so we don't fall through or to go in and, uh, and, and to build something, to fix things, to know, to know how, you know, to, to how to support a structure, to how to go, go in and, and make sure that it's sturdy, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to get through everything that comes through. There's a lot of wind, you know, storms that happen out there. There's a lot of rain. There's heavy snowfalls. But, but, but there are times when you get out there and you see the weakness and you say, hey, well, I can fix that. I can put a brace in there. I, I've, I've put braces on things to see them stand strong. I've had to jack stuff up with a steel jack. I've had, I've had to drive a lot of screws in the last several years, and I know what it is to brace. I used to think that's what you did whenever you were getting ready to get beat or get put down or be destroyed. That is not what it is. It's what you do when you're expecting to make it, when you're expecting to come through on the other side. Are you bracing yourself or are you just cringing? Are you believing God who is faithful? Are you preparing to win or are you preparing to lose? Are you preparing your heart to accept defeat or to ride through this storm into victory? Brace yourself. Get yourself strong. Encourage yourself. What are some different braces going into the storm. I know this is not, you know, the, the usual narrative and flow of the story, but I think it's important. Bracing the ship is not what you do when you accept when you're accepting failure. It's what you do whenever you're believing that you can make it through it. Some of you need to learn how to take a moment in the storm and instead of huddling in fear and anxiety, 
Learn how to brace yourselves. How to support yourselves. Now, it's God who does the supporting, but what I'm preaching to you is there are things that you can do to actively lean on God. To actively brace yourself with his promises, with his faithfulness, with his character. You can pray. You can brace yourself with prayer. You can seek God in that midnight hour when you're discouraged, whenever you're confused, whenever you're hurting. You can pray. You can do more than huddle and fear and weep. You can pray. You can speak to God. You can get on your knees. You can carve yourself out a prayer closet, and you can seek God and see if that won't get you through. You can read the Word. You think about these cables that are strung across, and they're bracing the ship. They're, they're trying to support it to where it doesn't fall apart. They are bracing themselves. You read the Word of God, you get some promises, they'll hold you up. You can attend church. Amen? You can attend church. You can brace yourself. If you're walking through something, don't huddle at home in discouragement. Brace yourself. I, I, I remember a, a very small, you know, friendly interaction that I had. And, uh, and I said, brother, thank you. That was, a, that, was the, that was a good word. I needed that word to, to get me through. And I said, man, I'm so glad. Thank you for that encouragement. I'm glad that, that praise God, that's the only way to do it. But I said, and then I, and I almost just kind of left it there, like I said, you know. But I was like, mm. Mm. I was like, it was, a, it was a pretty good one last week, too. Not because of me, but because it, it you know, and I see you're struggling, but uh, I, I wonder if God had a word for you last week. You know? And the week before that, and the week before that, and the week before that. Maybe he had a word for you then, too that would encourage you, that would strengthen you to the point where, where you're not coming in here you know, for, uh, you know, to get on oxygen. You're not coming here to get on a, you know, the, a ventilator and to just enough strength. See, because we got to brace ourselves. We, got, we, we have got to do the things that we can do while God is laboring and doing the things that he can do. Amen. part of this. I'm, I'm actually going through this and leaving a, a decent portion out. But this is what I, I want to finish here with. God preserves his word. Now, I don't mean he just makes the Bible, you know, go from generation to generation, although he does do that, and it's amazing. He has preserved his word. But he preserves the veracity of his word. What's that mean? Veracity means truth. Veracity means legitimacy. He preserves the truth of his word. The prophetic word that comes from God will not fail. Amen? His word will not fail. Now, sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we, we make mistakes. Sometimes, you know, we don't understand the full context of what's going on. Sometimes our flesh gets involved. But God's word will never fail. It has stood the test of time. It has stood doubts. It has withstood the attacks of men. His word will not fail. His character, his person, who God is, will not fail you. Never will it fail. Because God preserves his word. Paul has a supernatural confidence in this moment, born of faith. And I told you that he scolded them and said, hey, I was right and you were wrong. 
put, put, you know, put, put a little you know, check mark on that. We'll come back to that later. And, and Paul, is, he's, so, he's got attitude. He really does. He's got all these guys working, trying to batten down the hatch and you know, do all their stuff. They're working. And, and, so, and Paul's like, hey, hey guys. You know, they're coming out of his cabin real quick. Um, just so you know, like, what, what? You know, we're dying. Um, I was right. And this is your fault. And they're like, yeah, we know, we know. But Paul had to do that because there was going to come another moment of decision. And then Paul, that he is, has a visitation from an angel in the night, and he understands now what they have to do. And so he comes back. He said, you remember last time? Remember, I was right. And they're like, yeah, okay, what's, you know, what, what now? What do we do now? It's very important. But Paul comes out onto that deck with this supernatural confidence that's coming from, it's not because he's a great mariner or, ha, or he's a helmsman or anything like that. He does not have any experience like that, but he's got a word from God. And maybe some of you need to understand that you don't have to be somebody who is just the greatest sailor. You don't have to be the most confident and powerful person. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be anything. But if you can get a word from God, then you can operate out of the confidence of who he is, how he walks, how he talks, the things he says. You don't have to be smart. All you got to know is I heard a word. Stop trying to do things out of your own intelligence. Because you, me, and all of us combined are not smart enough to figure it all out. Lord have mercy. But the most simple person in the world, the most humble, unassuming person, if you get a word from God, then all logic, heaven and earth, every demon in hell has to come under the authority of that word, of God's word. So Paul comes out not, not clothed in the intelligence and the experience that you might expect. Uh, but remember last time, I, I got a word. I got a word from God. A supernatural confidence born of faith in God and the word that he was operating out of. Let me close this here. I wish, uh, I wish Brittany was in here. She's out tending to, to little man. We were at their house the other night and uh, having a bite to eat. And I was sitting there with the kids and uh, all the adults were talking. Her family, you know, the, um, Brother Garrett's family, they were in. And uh, so you know, they, had their, they had Disney Plus on. And, uh, but they were not allowed to have any volume because all the adults were talking. So Toy Story uh, 2 is playing and, you know, on, on the screen. And, they, and the kids don't know what's going on. So I'm sitting there with them. I'm like, well, I'll just narrate. Ah, oh, but this is a perfect time to panic. And I'm like, rah, 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 and like, oh boy, I'm doing all the voices over there. But I don't know the story that well. And so they were like, they, everything was very confused. And they're like, really? That's what he's saying? And I was like, yeah, sure, sure he is. And then, and then something would happen, and then I would try and like cover my tracks and be like, oh no, I was just kidding. And so I'm narrating a story that I don't understand, like some of you. Yeah. You're trying to narrate a story you don't understand, and you didn't write. And you don't know where it's going, and you don't know what's going to come in. Anyway, so I'm making up this whole very wrong plot, uh, being as expressive as I can. But then I realized that I knew enough. Some of you guys, I don't know if you're the one that I just was rebuking because you're trying to narrate a plot you don't understand and you didn't write instead of operating out of what God is leading you into. If you're trying to lead God and it's not working out too well for you, it could be that. Um, 
or if maybe you're just you're fearful, you don't understand how things are, and you're not even sure how it's going to end because you don't understand, and you're, you're giving that to God, I don't understand. And uh, I did not know enough about that plot to really say what Woody and Buzz were saying. So I made up my own stuff. But I did know something. And this is just such a simple childlike truth. But if you would wrap your heart around it, you'd make it. You'd make it. I knew this much. I knew Woody and Buzz would make it. You know why? Because I saw him on the cover of Toy Story 3. That just hit somebody here the way it was supposed to. I don't know how you're going to make it, but I know who God is. And God loves you, and God is for you. And He is faithful. What happens with Paul while he's laying there asleep and the ship is tossing and turning? He's like, God, I tried to do what you wanted me to do. I tried to say the right things. I told them they wouldn't listen. And now I don't know. Have their mistakes here? Listen, here, listen, 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 listen. Have their mistakes forfeited my destiny? Has what has been done to me ruined it? Because I tried. What, what, has their victimization of me and not listening to what I knew was right made it to where I can't? Be who I'm called to be? You're sitting there thinking that. You're, you're tossing, you're turning. God, have they derailed your plan for my life? God says, nope. They don't have the authority to do that. They don't have the authority to do that. And then Paul has the Toy Story moment, like I did with these kids. And, uh, and the angel says, Paul, you're going to stand before Caesar. Paul's like, well, I guess I'm not dying today because of your word that has been revealed to me. I don't know what's going to happen out here. I don't know what the winds are going to do. I don't know what kind of waves are going to try to capsize my boat. I don't know if I'm going to fall off over the edge. I don't know if I'm going to have to swim my way to Rome. I do not know how this is supposed to turn out. I don't know if I'm going to have to sail myself. But I know that this is not the end of my story. I know this is not how it ends for me. I know that I don't die here in this ocean, in this storm. I will walk forward in the courage and faith in who God really is. I wish somebody would help me preach tonight. Because if this is not your story, maybe someday it will be. He said, I am not, I, I'm, I'm going to die. I may die when I get to Rome. And he did. But he said, I'm not dying here because I've still got a work to do. I've got a ministry to do. I've got an anointing on my life. I've got a plan of God that I'm operating on. And no matter how big those waves are, this ain't how it ends. You know the kind of confidence that brings? You can weather anything. You can walk through anything. Woody got stolen. And I said, ah, oh, he stolen. Woody got his arm ripped off in that movie. Yeah, and they had to stitch it back on. It looked like he never going to make it. But I said, I know. I saw him on the cover of Toy Story 3, so I know he's not dying in Toy Story 2. God's word, he preserves his word. He preserves his character. God does not allow, with all the supernatural might of the heavens and the earth, clothed in immense power, God says to you, 
I will not let my word be made void if you will cling to my faithfulness. I am the God of the universe, the ruler and creator of heaven and earth. I do not lie, and if I have to move the heaven and earth that I created, if I have to transcend the power and authority of men, I will not be made a liar by any attack that comes against you. It will not prosper. There is nothing in this world that can make God's word lie. So in the middle of that storm with your pitiful little self and the little braces you've been able to put up around your boat, what is going to cause that boat and your mission to be complete, whether things get destroyed or torn apart, what will cause your mission to go forward will be the faithfulness of God and the fact that you put him in a spot where he had to show off because you weren't going to give up on him. And because he does not and cannot lie, he never gave up on you. You will walk through it. In the end, not because of the bracing, although you should. Not because of the four anchors that he threw out, although they should. Not because of the intelligence or stupidity of going the wrong place. In the end, you will make it because God's hand is on you. And you are in the palm of it. You're going to make it. Brace yourself. Don't cringe. Brace yourself. You're coming through this thing in the confidence of a creator who preserves his word.